Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, November 30th. We begin with a continuation of our conversation earlier this week on the growing issue of online sextortion. This time out, we speak with Dean Jacobs, detective from the Calgary Police Service and member of ICE, the Alberta Integrated Child Exploitation Unit. Detective Jacobs shares some tips for parents when it comes to protecting their kids from falling victim to a sextortion scam. Next, a recent report from the Alberta Council of Women's Shelters indicates that cases of domestic violence are on the rise in our province and women's shelters are at their breaking point. How can we change the narrative? We'll discuss this troubling issue with Jan Reimer, Executive Director of the Alberta Council of Women's Shelters. And finally, it's a much-needed lifeline for those struggling from coast to coast. We catch up with mental health advocate Karen Gallagher-Burt for details on the newly launched Nationwide Suicide Hotline and the impact it will have for those in need. It was heartbreaking and tragic news out of BC over the weekend that a 12-year-old boy took his own life by suicide after he got caught up in a case of sextortion. As parents, Andy and I wanted to find out more and hopefully learn how to best protect our own kids and help you do that as well. So joining us now to talk about the rising cases of child sextortion in Canada is Dean Jacobs, who is a detective with Calgary Police Service in the Southern Alberta Internet Child Exploitation Unit with Alert. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Dean. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about ICE, the Internet Child Exploitation Unit. What does your 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 unit do at CPS, sort of day to day? Day to day is uh, basically what we do is we investigate all all all, all online investigations in regards to child exploitation. So uh, that's your possession, you're accessing, you're making available child pornography, you're luring, and then everything that comes with that, with the sexual assaults and stuff that happens. Uh, along with those uh, charges. Dean, that sounds like quite the broad spectrum, but when we laser in on the term sextortion, what is meant by sextortion and what sorts of forms do we see it today? So sextortion is basically um, you're exploiting somebody for money or for um, more sexual images. So for boys, uh, it's blackmailing, basically. That's what's happening is uh, boys are between the ages of nine and, and 17 is that's that's what we're seeing here is that they're uh, uh, getting extorted for gift cards or uh, Google Play cards or Amazon cards or cash and we're seeing from $15 to $5,000 that these uh, um, uh, suspects are are, uh, are asking for for our kids so so once uh, so including with that is so once an image is sent out or a video is sent out, um, these uh, uh, these suspects will then put in the extortion, start threatening them and asking for the the money and and uh, gift cards and so forth. So, Dean, am I hearing from you then that boys? I mean, I know girls are targets as well, but are boys being you know are they the the greater target right now, young boys? Yeah, young boys are uh, getting hit the hardest right now for us. We've seen. Uh, from January until uh, September, uh, we have 187 boys have been targeted in, in Alberta, and then 22 females, so that's what we've seen so far, um, which, is, uh, which is high. It's, it's, it's a definite um, sad to see. Speaking with Dean Jacobs, uh, Calgary Police Service Detective with ICE, and uh, the sextortion style, is it different when it targets young males versus when it targets young females? 
Yeah, so for the males, for the males getting targeted, what happens is, is that they end up sending an image. They think, first of all, they think they're talking to uh, uh, maybe a girl from their school or a, a pretty girl that they see on their Instagram or Snapchat that uh, sends a, a friend request that they accept, and then the conversation quickly goes into a sexual conversation. And then from there, as soon as they send an image out, it's they then the extortion distortion part of it for the gift card of money. For females is if that happens, what happens is that um, the, the, the perpetrators want more images or more videos of the girls. They don't want money, they just want more sexualized videos and pictures. So, uh, Dean, you know, what do we need to do if it happens to a child that we know and love? I mean, as a parent, I talk to my kids, and he says he talks to his kids. We all know we're talking to them, but sometimes, you know, kids, they're not fully developed. They're not the smartest at that age. They get tricked because these scammers are really good at tricking them. So so then what? If, if they come to you and, and there's a problem, you know, what, what are we supposed to do? Well, first, firstly, as you know, have that have that conversation with with your kid and uh, and, and talk to him about the the uh, risk of, of having uh, unknown people in their in their uh, Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. Um, but then, if it does happen, it's like right away you want to screen grab everything, screen capture everything that you that uh, that went on. Uh, doesn't matter. I want, we want as the police. We want all the images. We want all the videos. We want everything. Get the username, get the display name. We want all that information and stop talking to them. Don't send any money. Don't send anything to these guys. And, uh, uh, and then let, let your a trusted adult or a parent know right away, right? But just uh, don't never pay. I just have to say never pay uh, and never send any names. Let's uh, let's talk about the one of the issues I think would be the hurdle, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Dean, is the fact that it's there are so many different platforms that a parent would have to kind of monitor and and uh, you know uh, take care of guiding their kids through in the proper usage. Uh, but is one of these platforms you mentioned Facebook? We've got Instagram, you've got Snapchat, you've got, uh, for example, uh, Musically or sorry TikTok. Um, is is one more prevalent th- than others when it comes to these sorts of scams? Uh, no, I'd have to say no. But what we're seeing is Snapchat, Instagram, but you, you know, any platform, anything, any platform that connects to the internet that your kids are on, is is a, is a chance for them to um, be sextorted. You could be on Roblox, right, uh, or um, which is for uh, uh, eight-year-olds eight and, and up. So uh, it, definitely these guys and, and girls are not all um, men that are doing this, but um, they're on all these platforms too. As a parent, I would say is um, learn, take the time to learn the platforms, take the time to research it. When if you go to our um, the uh, alert website and there's a there's a couple of fact sheets about um, uh, all the apps out there, so you can go have a look at that, and it's. Um, Alberta or alert-ab.ca, and you can go and have a look. And there's app fact sheets, there's Meta for Meta, there's Snapchat safety sheets, TikTok safety sheets that you can go and have a look and and learn what uh, each one of those platforms does and how you can uh, protect your kids a little bit more. A little bit more. Dean, how often do these scammers actually share the images around the net as they're threatening? I mean, it, it's it's more. Uh, 
you know, in hindsight, is it an empty threat? They just want the money, the gift cards, et cetera? No, some, some, well, they, they want the money for sure. But uh, sometimes they do uh, send out the images to your friends list and, and uh, to your um, your schoolmates and, and uh, to your hockey team maybe and stuff. So, yeah, they will send it out. But most of the time it, it's they want to get that money and uh, and that's all they need, right? And like we, I've heard you talk before about this, but, you know, a lot of these people are um, – a majority of these people will say, well, the majority are from out of country, right? So they're in Nigeria and in uh, Ivory Coast and stuff like that. So um, they're trying to make money for themselves over there. So it's, yeah, it's just a tough one. Tough one, yes, and uh, yeah. very scary, mm-hmm. too. Uh, thank you so much yeah. for your clarification, Dean. We appreciate it. No problem. It's, yeah, just my heart breaks for the young gentleman in, in uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, That's just terrible. So, at, um, and I know with the, with my uh, teammates and stuff, we all feel it too. So, absolutely, I can't imagine. I will direct people to alert-ab.ca/sextortion for more resources. Thanks so much, Dean. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Dean Jacobs is a CPS detective with ICE, which is the Internet Child Exploitation uh, Department, as well as the Southern Alberta Internet Child Exploitation Unit with Alert. The Alberta Council of Women's Shelters is reporting that domestic abuse is on the rise in our province and women's shelters are being pushed past their limits. Joining us to talk about it is Jan Reimer, Executive Director of the Alberta Council of Women's Shelters. Hi Jan, thanks for being back with us. Oh, good morning and thanks for having me. Unfortunately, a conversation that we have to have, the stats are, are grim and the numbers just keep going up. Is is it a sign of the economic times we're having? Is there more to it, do you think? Oh, I think quite a bit more to it, but certainly that's a, a part of it. Um, I think what, uh, what we're seeing is we're coming out of a pandemic um, and we know that... Um, at the end of pandemics or at the end of any kind of disaster, you see uh, domestic violence trending up, sometimes for many years. And so I think we're seeing some of that as well. Um, you know, economics always plays a factor. Unemployment plays a factor. Misogyny plays a big factor. Um, so there's lots of contributing, um, you know, um, uh, things that can happen in terms of the, the rise in uh, domestic violence. It's never one single thing. Jan, can you give us an idea of the impact uh, this increase in this uptick has had on, on shelters? How are they coping with the growing demand, especially well, given the fact that we didn't have really a challenge. Like, uh, one of the things we've tried to do in this uh, release is tell some of the personal stories um, that uh, you know uh, those survivors have had, just to show the impact that uh, shelters can have on the lives of survivors. Um, it also uh, highlights some of the innovations and successes that give us reason for hope. And I guess one of the reasons you know shelters could just keep on going. But there are some very, very uh, troubling indicators, and I think we're seeing these trends going very much in the wrong direction. And that's hard when you're working on the front line. Shelter work is never easy. It's tough work, and um, to see the extent um, and the lack of support sometimes with um, you know other institutions and agencies, we know how important collaboration is. Shelters are certainly committed to that. But it's just not easy to really try to pull all of those supports to, uh, together. Many people are suffering from 
you know, the challenges of hiring these days and our short staff, mm-hmm. um, which makes it all the more difficult to try to bring and get those supports together. Yeah, you know, Jan, you mentioned it. Uh, we're going in the wrong direction with these stats. And, and, and why are we? How are we? Shouldn't we be getting better and more knowledgeable? And, you know, uh, uh, there's so many things that should be playing into these numbers going down. You mentioned misogyny. I'm curious, you know, what you mean exactly by that, particularly now in 2023. Oh, I think we're seeing more and more, like, we know all violence against women and girls is embedded in attitudes and beliefs, and if those attitudes and beliefs are putting down women, are not valuing women's contributions, are looking at power imbalances, then that kind of sets the baseline uh, for, um, you know, what we're seeing. And uh, also, I think, is how, when men see these things happen you know, maybe they witness it with another man, um, you know, perpetrating violence or being abusive. Um, sometimes they don't step in when potentially they could. So I think that we're seeing this certainly in social media playing out a lot, and I think that that's uh, fueled it as well. Speaking this morning with Jan Reimer, Executive Director of the Alberta Council of Women's Shelters, ACWS. And and Jan, I know that your focus is very much on our province, but can we look at other provinces for the way they operate their shelter systems and and can we take some cues from them or are we kind of leading the charge in our province across the nation? Well, I would say we're certainly leading the charge in the nation for our elder abuse shelters. The you know, the announcements that were made last week, I think, really puts uh, Alberta out in front in terms of that support. We'd love to see that, uh, you know, translated into women's shelters as well. I think the sad story is that women's shelters across the country have really not seen the type of um, investments that are needed to really make a difference in their work. And I don't know if there's anyone that really stands out uh, we're also a founding member of Women's Shelters Canada, and we see this as a troubling uh, trend um, all across the country. That is troubling, and why do you think that is, and what can we do, we as regular citizens, to try and help that and put more focus on this problem? Well, I think of speaking to your elected officials, um, telling them how important shelters are in part, as part of an integrated system, that shelters need to be part of that collaborative integrated system. I think there needs to be a greater focus as well on speaking up for children um, that are coming through shelter doors. Often people don't recognize that when you come into a shelter, the first thing you might hear are children's voices. Um, The impact upon children um, is substantive and can affect them for their whole lives. So if we could get the proper supports and investments in terms of providing help for children, uh, help with parenting, um, I think we can really go a long way in, in addressing that issue. Uh, but you can't do it when you have had stagnant funding for a decade. Uh, we really do need financial investments. And if the public can lend their voice and support to those requests, that would really help us. All right. Uh, thank you so much for your uh, time this morning, Jan. We appreciate an update on the situation. And we're going to, you know, direct people to acws.ca. That's acws.ca. Thanks again, Jan. We appreciate yeah. it. Thanks again. And we also have a With the Guys event tonight in Calgary. So if men are interested in learning more, it's at Wolf Automotive. We'd love to see them there. Good stuff. Jan, thank you as always. Jan Reimer, Executive Director of the Alberta Council of Women's Shelters, the ACWS. Canada is launching a nationwide suicide hotline 
today. If you need support as of today, it's there for you with three easy numbers. Joining us to talk about the need and the impact is Karen Gallagher-Burt, mental health advocate and social worker who joins us for our mental health moment once again today. Hi, Karen. Good morning. Wow, this is a huge, huge deal. Tell us all about it. Oh, it is a huge deal. So national number, as you said, 988. This number is live in the United States, went live a few years ago. The last four years uh, here in Calgary, Distress Centre Calgary has been piloting on the 1-800 suicide number. And then recently our federal government made some choices to fund this. So through the Public Health Agency of Canada, um, number goes live. It went live this morning at 1 a.m. Were you up for it? Um, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I I'd be doing some of this today, so yeah. no, I slept. <laughs> and I, we salute you. Yes. Uh, the phone has been around, by the way. I'm mansplaining now. The phone's been around for a number of years. Thank you, Andy. And uh, this is three digits. It's 988. You pick up the phone. So I'm wondering, the tech has been there. The idea is fantastic. Is this just one more example of how we've come to terms with mental health and accessing resources is important. Mm. Is, is this finally a fact that we've had in the conversation enough, Karen? Like, why did it take so long, do you think? You know, I think, I think honestly, it's around the impetus of funding mental health. Health itself, when we talk physicality, has always been a tenant of Canadian values. But mental health, it's taken time. And I do think um, our time through the COVID pandemic exacerbated this. Um, we know statistically in Canada every year, there's about 3,500 suicides that we know of. I've got to remember that's still a hidden. In Alberta, there's about 500-ish, 450 to 500. And in Calgary, 150 every year. So every second, two and a half days, someone in Calgary dies by suicide. And we have got to get any shame or stigma associated with this. Just chuck it out the window and say it's okay to call, text, chat with someone if you're struggling. It's okay. And, and for whatever reason, right? I mean, I look to, I look to the, that 12-year-old boy in BC over the weekend, right? Yep. He, he got caught up in a sextortion scandal. We've been talking about sextortion the past couple of days. Yep. That'd be a perfect example of a kid who didn't know where else to turn yep. and, and chose a, a terrible, terrible alternative to calling 988 and maybe getting some help. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's that level of awareness. Yeah. So one thing I'm asking for today, and I'll ask for it tomorrow when I'm on with you guys tomorrow morning when we're doing, you know, the Radiothon, yeah. is that the awareness part of things is what matters the most. I'm not interested right now in begging people for money, although that's okay. I like that too. It helps our services. But what I am interested in everybody saying, I'm willing to share this number because it matters to someone in my network right now. Interesting in the sense, Karen, that we had you on a couple of weeks ago. We have you on every second Thursday. You just kind of show up. I do. Uh, for the coffee. Um, <laughs> and we talked about you know men's health and we talked about loneliness. And then uh, just as a weird carryover, a handful of days later, we talked to Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician, about how loneliness can have medical negative effects on us. But in 2023, we can talk to somebody 24 hours a day online, uh, you know, via social media, chat rooms, etc., but what this does to me with the phone line and with what you do, and I'm wondering if you can chime in on this, Karen, that actual, not online, not AI, that actual human voice and actual uh, communication is much more 
properties as far as beneficial properties. 100%. 100%. It's just like listening to you guys on the radio. You are people, and people get comfort from the fact that they trust you and that they feel like as human beings you're there. And you're there not just to entertain but to educate yes. multiple things. Yeah. And on that crisis line, you've now got someone who you know their attention is 100% focused on you. They're interested in hearing what's going on for you, what has had you call today, how can we support you in keeping safe? Because truly, at the essence of suicidality and suicidal ideation, people truly don't want to die. What they want is the pain to end. And some of that pain is the loneliness and the isolation and the lack of real relationships in their life. And I'm not dissing online because there's some great relationships you can build. Yeah. Uh, however, there's nothing like the intimacy of a human voice. So how does it work? You call 988. I mean, if it's Canada-wide, are there sort of like, you know, phone banks in every major city kind of thing? You bet. So what we started with originally was four crisis lines in Canada that we're doing it. Um, now there's over f almost 50 lines across Canada in different crisis centers. So right now, if you call somewhere in Ontario, you'll get one of the Ontario crisis centers. If you call a 988 here in Alberta, um, you will get either from Red Deer North Edmonton at CMHA Edmonton or in Calgary and Calgary Southern, you'll get the distress center. Right now, we are only taking calls from Calgary and Southern Alberta. We will see what the call volume looks like, and then we can expand further, and we can open it up where we can take calls across the country. As we've been piloting it, a lot of our calls have come from out of province. Um, wow. So it'll be, for us, it's looking at the data today and seeing, you know, what did the calls translate to here just in our region. And the timing, the fact is, yeah. is, striking while the iron is hot, we've got the holiday season, which can be incredibly stressful for many. I'm looking right now at what we got, eight hours and 17 minutes of daylight. It gets dark at 4.30, so the timing maybe couldn't be better for this line. Yeah, I, I you know what? I think you're right. It should have been here a long time ago, but we understand how, you know, government and bureaucracy sometimes works. The reality is there's always been a place to call. Now that three-digit number, it's magic. So I always say now you can call 988 for suicide, call 211 for resources, and 911 if you're absolutely needing um, um, assistance from a police fire ambulance. But you got three three-digit numbers that are mm. magic. Brilliant. Okay, we're going to send people to the distresscenter.com as well if you want to find out more information about what you offer at the Distress Center. That's awesome but a canada-wide suicide hotline 988 add it to your kids phones yes. yourself Good add point. it tell them it's there yeah. make sure they know it's access for them anytime they need it 100 percent. thank you so important thanks so much karen karen gallagher burt mental health advocate and social worker with the distress center